Hello everyone and welcome to the new episode of The Sunday Show. Today our episode is called Beyond Humanity, Exploring Transhumanism and the Technological Singularity. My name is Artem and I'm joined today by my co-host Sergey. Sergey, what do you think about the topic that we're going to discuss today? Hello Artem, I think our today's topic is uh, similarly fascinating to all previous ones we discussed before on our Sunday show series and I really expect that today we are going to touch a lot of um, fascinating details about options for future humanity development and I really I really look forward to begin. <laughs> I know that feeling because trust me, I was so fascinated by these topics even long before we started the Sunday show because I'm all I was always very interested in transhumanism and posthumanism, basically what those technologies can what those philosophical concepts can bring in terms of technology to our human let's say society and earth population. And to begin with, I think we should touch a bit on what is transhumanism, what is posthumanism, what is technological singularity, just to get a glimpse of what is the framework for those ideas. Surely, surely. I really think that uh, this is the key to begin with. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, it was primarily... Uh, exclusive topic, exclusively uh, interesting for intellectual circles, you know, like PhD professors and uh, different um, philosophical book uh, books writers, and even oh, yeah. in even in popular science fiction, uh, this topic did not have uh, that much of attention in the past, and I think. Only uh, during the last years, uh, it became more or less uh, widespread. I mean, on the same level with uh, other concepts like uh, what are the most widespread concepts in science fiction, like spacecrafts, uh, robots, flying Aliens. cars. Well, what? Aliens. <laughs> Aliens, definitely. And uh, that subject, uh, honestly, it was not uh, such popular in the past. And it became, it started gaining its popularity relatively recently. Uh, and uh, in my opinion, why, uh, why is it the case? It's primarily because uh, it's not something very entertaining in terms of... Uh, <clears throat> picturing it in some fancy science fiction movies, you know, and... Uh, I back to differ on this one. <laughs> yeah, like in, in my opinion, it looks like this. It's primarily uh, about internal development of humanity, of human being. Uh, if we look at this uh, from individual perspective and... Uh, to be more precise, yes, so... Transhumanism, it's transition to another form of existence on in different terms. Uh, and um, this transition happens uh, with, uh, let's say, uh, help of different uh, sci-fi technologies. And there are different visions on how this transition can uh, occur. It can be, you know, implementation of different um, technological instruments into human body, or it can be a transition of human mind into uh, some form of software which can exist on different uh, hardware platforms. Uh, there are a lot of different concepts. I really uh, want to talk about all of them um, more uh, in details today, and uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, when you think about uh, transhumanism, post-humanism concepts, uh, in your, uh, from your perspective, uh, what, uh, should what should people imagine uh, while talking about, about those two things? 
Um, in my opinion, transhumanism is basic idea of, like you mentioned, transitioning into something entirely different, basically going away from, um, let's say, human-oriented approach to the universe, because right now we are very um, based on the persons, on people in general. So we are looking at it only from Homo sapiens's yeah. um, point of view. Anthropocentric, anthropocentric perspective, it's called. Yeah. And during this transhumanism and posthumanism, let's say, call them eras, uh, we will transition to more technological-based um, perspective in which we will be able to transition to more advanced species. So base, the basic idea is to abandon the Homo sapiens as a species to grow and to evolve. But at the same time, I really like the concepts that uh, were uh, entertained in science fiction. In the last century, I believe Isaac Asimov and uh, Philip Dick really put the put the lid on it and started all this situation because the bicentennial man of Isaac Asimov in which the person is fully transitioned into implants and prosthetics and in Philip Dick's um, Blade Runners if I'm not mistaken uh, well the Blade Runner is a movie adaptation but um, in Philip Dick's um, basis for those movies, we have a lot of stuff in which people are slowly transitioning into more of a, of a machine in which you can play with the settings, play with uh, the neuromediators that you have in your brain to make you feel more depression or feel more happiness, stuff like that. So I believe it's very important to acknowledge that we are consciously moving into this era of post-humanism and transhumanism step by step. And I think it will be very interesting progression to spectate. Sure, yeah. Like, I totally understand your feelings regarding this topic. And uh, I really understand why um, it sort of... Uh, touched your feelings and your aspirations about the future because uh, I sort of have uh, the same story because uh, what was my first uh, some sort of uh, encounter with uh, those concepts uh, was uh, a Star Wars movie uh, and uh, what's interesting not, not the, the newest uh, films, but uh, the old one, like uh, I think it was the uh, the Empire Strikes Back. It was uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> released back then in 1980s or 19, in the late 1970s. I'm not sure, uh, but still, uh, even back then in science fiction, they were picturing um, some uh, attempts to sort of create singularity and singularity is like basically the core concept here singularity between uh, some technologies and human beings and uh, to be more specific what was it it was the episode where uh, skywalker lost his hand after his uh, fight with, with darth vader with his father uh, he lost his hand and um, after that, he gets the uh, that uh, robotic arm, and uh, I was quite impressed uh, on how potentially uh, mankind can improve our uh, life conditions. Like, of course, in, in that situation, it was it was not about improvements; it was more about solving the problems. And uh, I felt that it's quite an inspiring idea that we can, uh, you know, help uh, people with disabilities, help uh, people who lost uh, some parts of their bodies uh, during some accidents. And I felt that it's, uh, it's a very, uh, you know, perspective application of uh, technologies from from which which are related to 
post-humanism, trans-humanism topics. And uh, in your opinion, uh, will medicine and uh, the necessity to help people with disabilities be the driver of implementation of those technologies in, in our human society? Well, thank you. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely, they will. Because right now we have a case, I think it's happened in the United States, when um, they basically transplanted a pig's heart to the human and saved, and thus saved his life. I think he's still okay. Uh, that happened like a few weeks ago. Maybe you heard about this in the news. Yeah. And at the same time, I heard that... Um, I read an article about plastic surgeons and that they can basically grow some parts of an organs on while well, on animals in laboratories in that way they can even help people with uh, different organ issues or tissues issues so mm -hmm. it's very fascinating that all of those stuff is happening right now and as i mentioned i think even right now we are moving towards that transhumanism era in which we will be basically driven by medicine another example is that i think maybe you heard of this as well uh there's um very similar stuff that you explained about star wars but they're called bionic prosthetics in which um they're on early stages of um trials and technological attuning let's call it that way uh, in which people receive those prosthetics and they are connected almost directly to the brain through some wires, like on the back of a hat when you're mm -hmm. trying to monitor your brain activity. And in that way, people can already manipulate this robotic hand with the power of their thought. Of course, it's still very early to say that it's going to be very easy because people take like a couple of years of training to do this, to think certain way, to give commands to this robotic hand. But still, in I think coming two or three decades, we will be able to go to the level in which we are able to fully control all limbs, everything, maybe even on our internal organs with the power of a thought. Sure. And and that medicine, medical necessities are driving us towards that. And of course, I think this topic is not only finished on this part, like on medical part, but there is also an important note about AI and robotics. Um, basically, I, I think you heard about this. Yeah, but like, um, I'm not sure how are interconnected uh, topics of AI and post-humanism because uh, I, I really didn't meet any examples on on possible, let's say, collaborations of those two domains. So, like, if you can tell us, uh, tell me and our listeners more uh, on this regard, it would be very nice. I think you heard about this actually because. I'm sure you heard about it in the news. It was a big uh, news article like three or four months ago when all of the tech companies demanded to stop AI um, development in order to not let it take over the world. Oh, sure, and in yes. some, yeah, and in some concepts of transhumanism, people will merge their bodies with those robotics or with robots themselves. So that might be a combination that's needed for for the revolution of humankind at least in some points of view definitely and um, what's interesting is um, that we have two different concepts i'm not sure if uh, our listeners are really familiar with both of them and uh, understand the difference between them properly because uh, for me, it's also quite challenging to feel those, uh, you know, uh, thin nuances uh, between post-humanism and transhumanism. Uh, do you think those are like uh, sides of this of uh, the same subject, or those are two different subjects? Uh, <laughs> I think it's none of those because, in my opinion, post-humanism is like a base for something that's happening for human species after 
we transition to the next level and transhumanism is one of the possible outcomes of those and what uh-huh. is your opinion on that one how uh, do you explain it uh, honestly like it's quite a challenging topic for me uh, uh, the only thing which uh, uh, sort of uh, sparkled on my mind when you mentioned that we are planning to move from uh, homo sapiens to another level i thought that we will be robo sapiens and i thought that would be very you know fun um definition and i really wanted to go and create a sort of patent uh, to claim <laughs> claim this uh, term to be the to be, to be the first one who did this and <laughs> basically this idea is the only thing which fills my uh, mind right now um, we have it on record we have proof now <laughs> amazing amazing i think it will be a very big advantage in the trial if i have it in future um <laughs> But regarding those uh, topics, uh, uh, I, I had a more uh, simplified vision of uh, of them. Maybe it's even oversimplified for someone because I thought that transhumanism is more about implementation of uh, some sort of um, um, technologies or technological uh, instruments into human body. Uh, or in human life in general, uh, whether it is something me- mechanic or biological. And so augmented humans. Yes, in that case. yes. Basically, I was thinking about uh, this thing and uh, about post-humanism. I was, uh, yeah, I, I basically uh, had the similar vision with you is that uh, post-humanism is uh, uh, set is a set of possible outcomes of uh, human developments uh, human development and uh, it, it, it may have different form uh, depending on what direction humanity is planning uh, to develop and grow and um, so technological singularity this idea is basically uh, sets in between those uh, two concepts and uh, in your opinion I'm just curious and uh, maybe you have some specific idea on this regard Uh, what will be the most important driver for um, moving towards transhumanism Uh, biological uh, improvements uh, which will not basically change the nature of our human uh, body. I'm talking about physical physical aspect or technological improvements, which will basically uh, replace some parts of our bodies, some of our organs, and so on. What will? How will it look like, in your opinion? I think it's definitely technological because. With the power of technology, we can achieve anything right now. Can you imagine if you can link your brain directly to, let's say, to Google, to Wi-Fi? Yeah, like <laughs> it would be a very big advantage for all types of marketers and advertisers all over the world, I think. Yeah, and I think it would be a huge bonus payments for psychiatrists with that amount of information. Very <laughs> but, interesting. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, right now, we are basically moving towards the situation in which our human bodies can take more and more uh, hardships because okay. of the medicine that was developed. So if you take a look at the athletes right now, they are improving each year. There is like a graph of their improvements, like um, a 100 meters race was 10 0.5 seconds in 1950s yes. and right now it's 9.8 because human body is much better much stronger right now because of the basic human evolution and it's strengthened by uh, by dopings, by some other stuff, by medicine, but what if we could improve it with um, with robotics or with technological achievements for example someone with uh, with very strong legs would be would have augmented muscles in there that would allow them to run faster yes yeah. i remember there was a game i think it it called those sex i'm not sure if, oh, if yeah. i'm right but i think that concept was 
significantly exploited by the developers of that game and in many parts of uh, of the game uh, they uh, sort of presented different options for uh, up- human body upgrading and yeah i think many many people are familiar with the things you are talking about right now but uh, honestly um, as far as i know uh, the most uh, prominent example of uh, uh, real technologies already existing in uh, in our modern world is uh, implants which people can uh, put put directly into their brains or just under under the scalp um, and uh, as far as i know the the first prototype basically already uh, exists and uh, when you when you were talking about the possibility to surf internet directly from your directly by using force of thought uh, not not using any input devices no keyboards no scrolling feeds and so on you can just just the brain wi-fi yeah just uh, yeah connect with the tv for example on the wall in your room uh, with the force of your uh, thoughts and uh, sort of uh, choose the content you want to watch right now uh, it's it's quite impressive and uh, I think it will be useful in many domains in in terms of um, work effectiveness. It it will be quite an advantage. And uh, what's the most important for people with disabilities, it will be a very big uh, improvement for their lives. Uh, With no doubt, it will be a game changer for those people. But... um, Maybe that's basically you, about Neuralink, right? Yes, yes. We, I was, I was trying to, uh, sir, to connect uh, with, with that with that technology. Uh, in your, uh, according to what you know, uh, are there any other applications, possible applications for that technology, which can, uh, which hu- human being can benefit of? To be honest, I just think about Neuralink right now. I don't think I can get some ideas from the top of my head but at I least mean, at this specific uh, moment when we are talking about the neuralink like uh, is it only about surfing the internet or using it oh no of like course no device <laughs> or there are some other applications yeah of course there are yeah 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 uh thanks for clarifying yeah so basically the one of the biggest boons to this uh, systems even like uh, that we have right now like the neuralink at least what they market is um they promise that it will help with cerebral palsy. Basically, whenever your brain can't make neural uh, connections, this stuff, this magical machine, will make connections for the brain, and you will be able to get back in control of your body. And at the same time, I think it will be in the future that we will be able to control um, by uh, bionic prosthetics with... Uh, some brain computer interface like Neuralink. Because whenever there is a private company that says that they have some part of technology, we will have a choice very soon. <laughs> they will have competitors. Of Cheaper ones, better ones. And at the same time, I believe that this can help a lot of disabled people. It, will help, it can help with uh, monitoring your neuromediators levels, like uh, Basically, brain hormones like endorphins, dopamine, uh, cortisol, everything. It can stimulate parts of the brain, at least I think it can in the future, to make your brain more active or more focused at some periods of time whenever you require it, just by putting this info in your smartphone or directly by communication with this brain-computer interface. Still, there is no clarity on how will we do that in technical aspect like what will be the most effective one at least right now it's focused on smartphones and i think all of those things can really help but right now i want to ask you a very important question the most important question you'll ever hear if you could go on those trial 
trials for Neuralink to try it on for yourself? Would you do it? And why, uh, if not? Uh, honestly, yeah, like I really expected to hear this question because uh, I think uh, this is the most controversial topic which uh, appears on top of uh, the discussion in general. And um, I think it is the most... Uh, important thing for people uh, because basically this is the small computer which you put under your scalp and uh, it's basically lives inside your body uh, honestly i would not i would not try to use this one because i really enjoy um, the way the, the way things are right now i'm pretty conserva conservative person in uh, in many regards and i don't like to try <laughs> new things to be honest i really enjoy stability and uh, i really enjoy using the um, uh, different technologies and uh, systems i already got used to especially if they are effective enough and uh, I really enjoy using the keyboard on computer. You know, I, I really love using different keyboard short shortcuts, which which make uh, life. Uh, I mean, not life surfing on internet or doing some tasks faster and easier. And I really enjoy it because um, it, it it is like uh, it is like a skill. It's like when you learn a dancing move or. Uh, martial art move it's very similar because uh, or or like in any any profession like when you learn how, how to draw how to write and uh, it's it's it really uh, drives some passion inside of me when you can uh, develop certain skills you can you know create these muscular memory this memory inside your head inside your fingers inside your hands and uh, it is it is in my opinion it's what is making us human beings that this connection between our mind and our body and the more um, the more control over our body we have the more we master our ability to control our body, our moves, and the more effective we become in this, uh, the, I don't know, the, the more interesting life uh, life becomes. This is my opinion. And More uh, interesting, that's a very strong choice of words. Why wouldn't it be more interesting for you to use some sort of a brain-computer interface to communicate with people, like not wasting your time. Like, yes, uh, honestly, about wasting time. For example, if we you talking about using different computer interface, uh, people are using their time ineffectively when they don't have strong skills, when they don't know how to use the interface uh, in a fast way. Honestly, those people who created all those interfaces, they were quite smart and they were considering a topic of effectiveness of work, of any activity, and they include a different option on how to optimize your work. And uh, you can always learn how to do this without any, you know, uh, direct input device in, in your brain. And... Uh, this is what I think regarding uh, time saving, uh, that uh, you, you can be quite effective with using your hands, basically. Uh, and uh, from biological standpoint, uh, using this type of um, input, direct input, Interface like we, when we talk about indirect type of input, input, it's like with a keyboard, let's say. Yeah, and like reading, typing, stuff like yes, that. Yes, yes. And um, when we talk about direct uh, input interfaces, we are talking about this microchip inserted under your scalp. I think. Uh, it can definitely improve productivity and uh, boost time effectiveness in your work. 
but it will reduce those uh, opportunities to grow your brain's abilities to control your body you know sense small motorics how it called uh, will be in disadvantaged position when you start using this direct input interface this is my opinion i think it is option for people with disabilities but uh, people should you know do everything to develop their skills of using their fingers and hands whether it comes to typing on keyboard uh, you know building some lego uh, buildings or i don't know uh, calligraphy or drawing all those things are very useful for uh, health in general for health of your uh, body because uh, it helps to it develops neural connections between different parts of your body and it develops specific um, conjunctions within your brain it's very useful and it's very important in my opinion and that's why i would not uh, opt in to start using this direct uh, input interface right now uh, yeah <laughs> maybe you have different opinion and if you do i would be very glad to hear it Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I would be the first to try it if I could because it's very interesting to me how it can work because whenever I see an option for increasing efficiency, I will go for it 100%, 8000% because about the part that you mentioned about the small motorics, uh, I think if this chip would be able to build those neural connections on itself, like easily enough without any paid subscription hopefully let's <laughs> <laughs> hope so yeah i would really want to improve eye to hand coordination basically whenever you are using your hands right now there's this um this is your brain sending signals to make something to make you do something and if you aren't really good with uh, those neural connections you will miss a lot of times. Well, one of the easiest examples that I can think of is the game of darts. Okay. Have you ever played it? Uh, sure, like many times. How, how many times did you hit the bullseye? I don't remember. I think I, I had this game when I was a kid, and since then I didn't play that much. But honestly, I was not very successful. I, I will not pretend. Like, it, yeah. was, it was pretty hard <laughs> to hit, uh, hit the middle of, of the target. It was hard. Yeah, the same happened with me. I never hit bullseye. And with this neural chip, if it really builds some neural connections, it will give you an opportunity to calculate everything for your hands at the moment. So this shot will go to precisely as you want it to go. There is no room for error because your fingers are, fingers are twitching or something is going on. This is basically helping you to improve and ordinary life stuff but apart from that i really enjoy the idea of it monitoring the health because that's very important for me and i think it's very important for people in general i right now the average life expectancy let's say in developed countries is something around 80 82 years give or take and with this system which monitors your health which gives you information if you have any impending doom on you like uh, heart stroke like brain stroke whatever if it will inform you beforehand it will increase your chances for survival and it will increase your life expectancy increase your lifetime so from 80 you will move to 85 or 90 before your body starts collapsing itself this gives us an impossible opportunity to keep a lot of knowledge and to progress the humanity further because at the same time uh, this neural interface will also help you with uh, neural connections that are being destroyed over the years so it will help you pre preserve um, the brain cells that will be destroyed by alzheimer disease or by you know old age schizophrenia so it will help you with everything that can really 
make your life miserable at the end. And I think that's a fantastic bargain. The only thing I'm afraid of, the two the two things that I'm afraid of, the first one is a paid subscription for you. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. And the second one, if someone just hacks into your chip and has direct control over some of your neural interface options, like like your health, like your manipulation skills, well, physical manipulation, I mean, like hand movements and leg movement, stuff like that. And that, I think, would be a great problem. So they would really need to work on security, first and foremost. Definitely, definitely. Um, honestly, I was, I'm quite impressed to hear uh, about all those uh, options available for uh, human body uh, by, by this type of technology, because honestly, I did not expect anything bigger uh, from uh, this technology besides of uh, being a direct input device for internet. And uh, I did not think about all those uh, options. And uh, definitely if those are mm, available or will be available in the future, it will be a very big um, opportunity for everyone who, who, who has a chance to use it. And uh, of course, like with any type of technology, the key here is using it in in order to improve life conditions of a human, in, in order to uh, help it uh, live more healthy and um, happy life. Uh, and um, all those things uh, you mentioned can uh, can definitely. Um, work on it and uh, make make our road to better life easier uh, but in your opinion uh, you mentioned some challenges regarding the security uh, there are a lot of you know conspiracy theories regarding especially i think the most famous one everyone is familiar with with, with uh, 5g letters uh, oh okay <laughs> no, 5g uh, those towers for selling selling connection and uh, those Neuralinks or even uh, Starlink system of uh, Elon Musk. Um, and some people are saying that those uh, you know, technologies are uh, created to create sort of system of control over humanity. So basically uh, 5G can, um, 5G towers in according to to what the fans of this theory are claiming, uh, those uh, towers can connect directly with this uh, Neuralink device and sort of exchange data or um, direct some orders to to human beings. Uh, disrupt your privacy. Disrupt your privacy, like but in in. Um, in the eyes of people supporting this theory, it's even uh, extent of uh, the problem is much greater. It's, it, they are directly talking about uh, total control over humans uh, via via all those uh, technological devices, and you know this uh, system of satellites of Starlink. Uh, in in eyes of many people, I think. Uh, those are also elements of the system. So when you have this device uh, in, in, inserted into your brain, basically this satellite uh, can connect with it uh, on any any point of Earth and basically uh, first of all gather information regarding your geolocation, your health conditions, and and other I think. Uh, domains and on top of that it can direct some orders to do this or that uh, in your opinion are those uh, fears having some foundation beneath beneath them or those are just uh, uh, fantasies of some people who want to you know create interesting topic for 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 media what is your perspective on this 
Topic. An interesting topic for the media is a funny euphemism for <laughs> people who want to see the conspiracy theories for on each and every corner. But at the same time, uh, I think uh, if people are worried about their privacy, about something of total control, about seeing someone seeing their geolocation, they should throw away all the technology they have. Like they should throw away the phone, they should throw away the laptop, they should throw away all the internet connection they have, and live like Amish society. Because whenever you have your phone in your hands, it transmits geolocation. Even if you cancel the geolocation option, it will transmit it. The same goes with the SIM card that you have in your phone. It connects directly to operator of your data, and the operator will always know where you are. The same goes for manufacturer, who will always track your phone even without internet, <laughs> because there are options for that, and the technological options. I'm not saying that someone does that, but there is an opportunity for that. And, of course, if we want to believe that no one is... Um, doing anything bad to us without us knowing, that's completely fine. We we want to believe in the best. But whenever there are leaks of data for various websites, for various apps, you can always locate all the information that you need. And so I would say that what you mentioned, that this might be dangerous in terms of... Um, total control in terms of transmitting data, in terms of disrupting privacy. We are already going through that. So this is about the same amount of privacy that you are giving away right now. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that it's very different from what we have. Okay, but uh, regarding the idea that uh, this implant can basically... Mm, impact your behavior so like if we exaggerate a little uh, can this technology turn uh, a human being into zombie which would just follow the orders directed to to his or her brain uh, via this uh, device i think there was a, a novel of stephen king about uh, cell phones uh, and there Which is one? Uh, yes, and there is even a movie about it that one day uh, the cell towers transmitted the signal via all uh, all cell phones in all over the world, and uh, when uh, so all phones started to receiving calls from. From, doesn't matter from from whom, and when people picked up the phone, uh, the, their devices started um, transmitting the uh, sounds which was affecting their brains and turned them into zombies. Like I just over, I just simplified, and this, the idea is very simple in, in in his novel and in the movie, and. Um, Basically, uh, what we are facing right now is bas- is uh, uh, evolutionary new new age of of the same fear which people had like twenty years ago when cell phones, uh, mass production cell phones started to spread in a society. Uh, now it's basically uh, the same uh, type of fear that. Uh, with this type of technology, some global global control over uh, humans will be possible. In your opinion, uh, from technological standpoint, from I don't know organizational standpoint, is it possible to turn a human into a zombie uh, via some uh, electro signals uh, from from the device from the Neuralink implant, uh, when this implant is uh, received the order from, from, I don't know, satellite or cell tower to do this. Is it possible in your opinion or not? I'm going to answer this one with another short story about the history of humankind. (laughs) Uh, This happened before, even before cell phones. It happened in, I think, uh, 1500s. In Italy, okay. uh, one monk 
named Savonarola captured the power in there, and he started burning books because books were making people uh, turn to sin. Because in those books that weren't, you know, church books, people were forced to have some sins, to find those sins, and to live in sin in general. So mm-hmm. this fear of being controlled by something, it's as old as humanity itself. As long as books, as long as any kind of human society evolved. But on the technical, technological standpoint, I don't think that is possible. Because in order to do that, we need to completely turn off the consciousness. And I don't think there is an option for that yet. Or at least take partial control of the consciousness, which is also, I think, impossible. The brain is way too complicated for that one as well, at this point of technological progress. At the same time, um, I think the brain capacity to receive information, to store information, is ridiculously huge. I don't remember the specific amounts of data that brain can store, but somewhere in this data, there is a personality. Mm -hmm. And unless we find out how to access it, it will not happen. Whenever someone will come up with this sort of idea, maybe we should get worried. But before that, I wouldn't say that it's a big problem. So we should leave this fear as the source of inspiration for some uh, James Bond movies uh, where some uh, Moriarty crazy professor scientist creates a uh, evil machine which will turn all humanity into slaves and we should not uh, you know in uh, extrapolate this uh, fear into our real life yeah i think so also i googled the brain data capacity okay it's about 2.5 petabytes or in simpler terms 2.5 million gigabytes yeah so i think it's it's quite it's quite big it's quite big um Honestly, um, I wanted also to discuss uh, some other topics related to transhumanism and, uh, you know, uh, this robo-sapiens concept in general. Um, People are having different types of fears. Uh, Those fears are not always connected with feeling of being controlled by someone as the one we discussed right now. Yeah. Uh, the most, uh, I think, uh, the oldest, the oldest fear that humanity has is the fear of uh, death. And yeah. regarding uh, regarding the eternal struggle of uh, mankind with death, uh, how transhumanism can uh, impact it? Can uh, technologies somehow increase uh, the time of human life and uh, if if so uh, what are possible solutions you are aware of that's a very good question i'm not really aware of a lot of them but the few ones that i've heard are uh, i think there are two of them the first one is basically genetic engineering Uh, there is some part of genome that's responsible for self-destruction of cells of your body, which means aging, which means death in the long run. So whenever we are free to genetically modify people, that might be solved. And on the other hand, we have um, an opportunity to upload human brain to uh, like a hard drive. There was a TV series on that one. They were called Altered Carbon. I really advise it to yeah, anyone who hasn't to watched hear it. Black Mirror. <laughs> it surprised me that it's not that one. Yeah, Black Mirror is popular, but I didn't really watch it, <laughs> so okay. I can't advise anything. But on Altered Carbon, there was an idea that the human can just upload their brain, well, their personality, to be more precise, their knowledge, into the hard drive, like USB flash drive and upload it into the next body to make yourself virtually immortal unless your flash drive is destroyed. 
Sure. Yeah, I'm very And familiar. what are the options that you heard? Yes, um, I, I just wanted to comment first, quickly comment on that one uh, about uh, immortality as a uh, virtual being. Uh, I really, um, I feel really interested in, in that one because uh, it's uh, quite, uh, uh, quite a popular concept in uh, science fiction. And uh, I think for our listeners, uh, the most um, famous example would be the Matrix uh, movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit different interpretation of uh, immortality and uh, life as a virtual being because uh, in, in Matrix people, they have their bodies, they, they live as physical beings, but they are uh, sort of um, sleeping in uh, in some in devices bots, in some like capsule, capsules and uh, in being in the in that uh, state they just uh, exist in uh, in sort of dream and they see virtual reality where they uh, basically conduct their daily routine activities and that uh, that uh, movie explains by by this um, story. Uh, why do we have the uh, déjà vu, for example, effects? Why uh, why some uh, paranormal uh, things are happening sometimes to us? And um, uh, this is quite interesting. It was quite interesting interpretation, especially for that time. It was like 20 or even more years ago. Uh, but uh, Wait, what 25, I, mean, I think. Yes, like it's pretty old, old movie already. And uh, talking about immortality and uh, life as a virtual, virtual being, uh, we should uh, not only consider, you know, just uh, saving, saving our mind on a hard drive for a certain period of time, we can just opt for an option of life as software. So our mind can our mind can just migrate permanently on on some uh, hardware platform and exist within virtual realities uh, like the one which was described in Matrix movie. And until uh, the first antivirus. <laughs> Yes, like uh, those people who can, who might may opt in for for this option should be very careful with uh, the risk of being uh, erased from uh, from from the hard drive. But um, honestly, this uh, concept is very long; it has a very long history. Besides Matrix, it was mentioned in uh, uh, Roger Zelazny, it's Polish writer, American writer of Polish descent, um, uh, heritage. Descent, yeah. yes. Like, I, I'm not sure if he was born in the United States or he moved there. Um, he wrote a lot of science fiction novels and one of them was uh, uh, Amber, uh, like series, series of novels about Amber Kingdom and um, the topic was the plot uh, was related to uh, ability of some human beings to migrate between different realities and uh, during during first parts of this novel uh, the idea was that those the characters of those novels they didn't know what was the nature of the universe they are living in uh, they were thinking that they are really you know moving between different parallel universes and this is the physics of their reality but eventually in one of the uh, latest novels in in the series Jelazny uh, described the machine which was basically a supercomputer, which more m m creates those virtual realities like maps in computer games for settings 
for characters to to live in, basically. And uh, this concept exists for quite a while already. I think it was 1980s or 1990s when uh, the, that idea was this first described and presented. And I think in terms of transhumanism and posthumanism perspectives for humanity, uh, this, uh, this is one of the options. And in my opinion, it's quite an interesting one. Um, besides that, I think we should mention uh, the concept uh, which um, finds itself uh, basically in between, you know, uh, being a virtual being and remaining mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, uh, keeping some physical uh, heritage. It's very old, old concept related not really to transhumanism, but more to solipsism ideas of 18th century. Uh, I think uh, it, it was quite important uh, concept for Cartesian, Cartesian philosophy, of which was founded by uh, René Descartes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it called Boltzmann. Uh, Boltzmann's brain. Uh, have you heard of it? Yeah, but I haven't heard about Boltzmann's brain. I heard about brain and the jar. Yeah, it's actually the same concept. It's absolutely yeah. the same concept, the different. I just names. simplified. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of um, w- what it is, this is the idea that uh, human brain can exist separately from human body. Uh, you know, in old-fashioned science fiction. Uh, the painters, writers, they were always picturing a human brain living in the jar full of, I don't know, water of some, uh, you know, other liquid which creates habitable environment for a brain. This brain is definitely connected with different wires to a computer. There are a lot of bubbles and lights bubbles inside the jar so this water like boiling different lights are changing its colors uh, all all around it and yeah it's it's a it's a quite a interesting science fiction concept in terms of cartesian philosophy uh, the idea behind it is a little bit different i think we can discuss the ideas of solipsism and um, reality in general in the next episode, but uh, f- yeah. for this uh, for this one we will remain uh, more concentrated on science fiction ideas. So uh, the idea behind it was that a human brain can exist separately from body, and uh, this might be a solution for. Uh, immortality because human body is aging and basically if we can get rid of all those old parts of our body uh, eventually and leave only brain and somehow keep it alive for uh, for as long as possible like eternally of course it would be it is ultimate goal keep it alive uh, eternally but uh, the Existence as long as possible is uh, optimal option at least. So uh, this idea is very similar to um, uh, living as a virtual being because uh, that brain in a jar can be connected to a computer and lives in sort of you know uh, virtual reality, or it can somehow still interact with physical world we are living in right now. I don't know, it might be a sort of robot where it can just connect to different, uh, I don't know, cameras, web cameras all over the world, and it can be like his or her eyes. And uh, in your in your opinion, what options uh, for humans opting for uh, this way of transition to new types of beings uh, would be uh, more, uh, you know, preferable. Staying, uh, like if we talk about brain and jar, staying in uh, some sort of virtual reality or uh, keeping some um, abilities... 
uh, not, not self-awareness, abilities to uh, interact with physical world. Self-awareness will remain anyway. So this is the idea behind immortality. So w- what is your opinion on this regard? It's the idea behind immortality, but not necessarily behind the brain in a jar. Of you course. Know, by some conspiracy theories, we are all brains in a jar and we exist in virtual reality and it is matrix <laughs> oh my god but this is this makes Rene Descartes the first conspiracy uh, theories creator in history like and we will discuss it next time of course but like I didn't look at yeah. him from this perspective before actually I thought he was just a philosopher now you can think about all uh, conspiracy theorists as philosophers. <laughs> oh my god, like, okay, okay, like, we can, like, it's a stick with two ends, like, we, we can look at all philosophers as a conspiracy theorist, and we can look at all conspiracy theorists as on the philosophers. It's, I think, amazing, amazing approach. Yeah, but to answer your question, I think that it's already answered in all science fiction that we might have seen whenever there are brains in the jar. So basically, in a couple of franchises that I really like, they have brains in the jar that are still connected to a robot body. Mm-hmm. So your idea of robot sapiens evolves in here, and they can communicate with the physical world and interact with physical world due to, due to using this robot body. So I think if whenever this is possible, that would be the way because virtual reality would be way too escapist. Although there is a physical and biological aspect to the brain, like the brain is one of the most complex creations on Earth. Parts of our body, not only on our body, like in the world itself, maybe because uh, the brain is in reality often operates um, for its own survival. I don't know if you heard this, but yeah, if you're I on the verge of death, yeah, if you're on the verge of death, your brain will try to save itself, not you. Basically, uh-huh. if you are in freezing cold, you will black out because of this cold. So, like, basically, brain will be able to, you know, force you to sacrifice, I don't know, your legs to save your head, right? Yeah, and sometimes the brain will think that the most efficient way for you to save the brain is to die. Amazing. <laughs> That's like a very paradoxical conclusion. Yeah, instead of helping you and giving you extra energy in tough situations, you will black out. If you're in extreme pain, you will black out. If you're in extreme frozen environment, if you're in freezing cold you will black out because the brain will try to conserve energy for itself not for your body so that's the biggest problem with the brain so whenever you are trying to put the brain in a jar for example and try to push it into the simulation just to keep it you know satisfied and yeah entertained and satisfied and you having the opportunity to run around and have fun in some sort of another but in some way or another but at the same time there is a very big chance that the brain will revolt against this and it will try to sever connections just to stay in the jar and you being blocked out or blacked out whatever is more to your liking so i think the physical aspect would need to remain in any case otherwise the brain would not see the benefit for itself in biological way very interesting point, actually. But if you had a choice, for example, what would you opt opt in? Uh, being a virtual being, living in a virtual world. I mean, not not jar jar brain, just a, just yeah. a software. Being a software, living in a virtual world, or <clears throat> being a, a jar brain, uh, controlling a big and cool robot. Uh, <laughs> what would you choose between those two options? I think by your words, I can guess what would you choose. <laughs> why do you, why do you think so? A big cool robot. Oh I think I, I, I see your preferences here. I didn't know this. <laughs> okay, um, that's Morpheus. Stop giving me two pills. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This was my idea today. Yeah, 
I would be a robot. <laughs> okay, I see. It's very, that's very good choice, honestly. But in fact, uh, when I when I think about uh, life as, as a boltsman uh, brain, I think there are a lot of opportunities. For example, of living in a space. Like imagine you created a spaceship, which basically uh, constructed around this uh, jar. Uh, the idea of the spaceship is providing with uh, all necessary uh, resources. I don't know what it might be like, some uh, vitamins or some chemical substances necessary for a brain to function, like uh, not, not only oxygen, of course, some other things. And uh, by life uh, on this spaceship, you can travel around the solar system. You can, you know, visit different places and uh, you know interact with different with other uh, individuals who also become a, a brain in a jar and created a spaceship living in, in space and uh, i think it would be also a very interesting option especially uh, i think in terms of uh, traveling around solar system but uh, we should not forget that we have internet so virtually yeah. you can be uh, present on earth or and on some other places where our human civilization will be in future so uh, i think there are a lot of opportunities and there are a lot of options and the only challenge we have right now is to see all of them and uh, uh, don't forget that they are out there yeah and to work on technology in order to make our brain in the jar <laughs> go definitely, in the jar in the definitely. first place but i think this this concept will be quite uh, scary for most of people uh, i think it's not very uh, you know easy from psychological perspective to uh, agree to get rid of all your body in order to get like eternal life in the form of uh, brain in a jar. So I think we should create a pool to enter today's uh, episode whether people are ready to get out of uh, all uh, parts of their body uh, and preserve only brain in a jar to get eternal life, to get immortality. So uh, at least... There is a good point to that. I have to interrupt you on this one. What would you choose? to perish at 80 years old or transition to brain in a jar? I would definitely choose, like, when when I am 80, I would definitely choose the transition. Yeah, so right now you wouldn't choose to be in brain in a jar, I suppose. No, like being a 23-year-old, <laughs> I, I really enjoy living, living my uh, average, average normal life. Yeah, so I think whenever there is a question of survival, you would really agree to rip apart your body in order to survive and to preserve yourself. I think that would be a no-brainer because the fear of death is one of the main drivers in human history. Yeah, I think it's true. The thing is, what option is more preferable and, uh, let's say, uh, attractive for each individual? So, like, uh, I really want our listeners to answer this question in the pool below. So, if you're listening to us right now, please share your opinion whether you want to uh, die, uh, turn into brain in a jar, or turn into a virtual uh, software. Living, living in a virtual world. So we will be definitely looking for your responses and they will be very valuable for us. <laughs> totally agree. So I think this is basically everything that we wanted to discuss today. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for this fantastic conversation. And I think we can wrap it up. I totally agree with you. I really hope that our listeners uh, enjoyed uh, this episode and I'm really looking forward for their feedback in our poll section. And what I want to say is to let's meet next Sunday. Sounds perfect. And to our listeners, whenever you're listening to us, have a good afternoon, good evening and good night. We will catch you on the next one.